Welcome back to the Suraj Podcast. In the previous episode, we completed Ras number four. This next Ras or section, which consists of 66 chapters, largely deals with Guru Hargobind's youthful reign as Guru, covering the stories mainly while Guru Hargobind is residing in Amritsar, although he does go on some travels, notably up to Kashmir. It also covers the Guru's second and third marriages, along with many question and answer discussions he has with six, which cover quite a wide variety of topics. So this section, this Ras, begins with the author, Santok Singh, writing out some mongols. Now a mongol is an invocation recited before starting a task. Most of the listeners have heard these, but may not be aware of the name that scholars put to these. So for example, Ik Oongar Satguru Prasad would be considered a Mongol that begins many portions of Gurbani. But Sikh writers and others would use different Mongols or invocations at the start of their works or perhaps before they begin Kirtan or Katha. And like evidenced in the Guru Pratap Suraj Granth, this text that we're looking at, even in written works. So there are many ideas behind why one would do a recitation of a Mongol. One being that it focuses themselves on something higher before starting a task. Others include reframing uh, oneself's actions in a frame of humility, that only with the blessing of a higher divine that one is able, one is going to be able to successfully complete a task, thereby removing the optics and mindset of being ungrateful and being the cause of action. So. Uh, this is sort of reminding oneself that the divine is acting through one's actions as well. There are many different types of mongols that one can recite from Namaskar Atmak Mongol, where one humbly salutes the divine or a characteristic of the divine, Vastu Nirdesh Mongol, where one outlines a trait or quality of the divine in their mind before starting a task, Ashirvad Mongol, where one requests help from the divine. And lastly, Atam Chintan Mangal, where one reminds oneself of the unity of oneself and the divine, and the ignorance of thinking of oneself or anything else as separate from that substratum, that which is supporting and which is merged with everything. So the author Santokhsin goes through the whole lot in this beginning section, first remembering the saints of the world by saying, I bow down to those powerful saintly beings who are fully capable of granting liberation and who in their heart are forever united in remembrance of the Creator's name. Then the author writes a verse on the goddess Saraswati, which across Indic tradition is remembered before creating poetic works. So Saraswati being the personification of all that is beautiful, artistic, skillful, sophisticated, sometimes imagined as a beautiful woman, beautiful moon, snow-peaked mountains. She's often called the daughter of the Himalayas. She's thought of as beautiful waterways. Uh, like I said, a beautiful woman, musician. So this tradition of poets placing their focus onto this imagery of Saraswati 
is done to pay homage to all the qualities that this entity represents and is done then in the desire by focusing on these traits to have these traits of beauty, artistic skillfulness and flavor flow down into the artist, the poet, the musician when they perform their task. Now this is not something that starts with Santok Singh or that has crept up during the times of the Sikh Raj in the 1800s uh, due to outsider influence. This is a tradition specifically in Braj poetry but can be found elsewhere as well where the poets will begin their writings focusing on beauty, art artistry, poetic sophistication in the personification of Saraswati. And this is a tradition that even Guru Gobind Singh partakes in while writing his compositions. So for example, when writing his version of the 10th canto of the Bhagavad Purana, the Dasam Sakand, or as listed the Krishna Avtar, he writes, Re sarda angan gun hai jahe, racho so, O oh my mind, may you remember Saraswati, who is the holder of infinite qualities, skills, virtues. And if she is kind upon me, may I create this composition of the Dasam Sakand, of the Bhagavad Purana. So, Guru Gobind Singh writes this before beginning his uh, lengthy composition. Now, this is just one of many examples in the Braj writings of Guru Gobind Singh, where they'll find this type of invocation. If you move on to the Sarblo Granth, there are uh, extensive invocations to Saraswati. So, Santok Singh is following in that tradition of Braj poetry and writes, O Saraswati, O you great musician, the player of the Veena instrument, please give me great intellect so I may know what is of great poetic quality and what is not. Please guide and take care of my poetic quality. Please nurture my talent. You are greatly generous the grant her peace to your servants. I bow down to you, Saraswati, whose face is as radiant as the full moon, the master of the stars, and whose words are as sweet as Amrit. When, with your beautiful eyes, you look gracefully upon someone, they can be taken across this ocean of life. So Santok Singh then places his focus on the divine without qualities, the Nirgun, and he says, if one were to count all the stars in the sky, they may be able to do that. But if one was to try and count all the virtues and qualities of the divine, they would not be able to. This creator of the universe is the nourisher of creation, which the four Vedas have sung about, but even these four Vedas have not grasped the depth of the divine, because the divine has such a form that is not understood by the mind. The divine is the creator of all the universes, yet is undivided from that creation. From beginning to end is merged with everything, never hidden, yet never seen. Santok Singh then begins his invocation of Guru Nanak, saying, Guru Nanak has gifted countless servants with his vessel of babek, discriminative understanding, which has liberated countless, breaking the shackles of attachment. The great illumination of Guru Nanak burnt away the vile hypocrites. Those who stood in front of Guru Nanak to battle, they lost all their honor. When Guru Nanak's pupils looked upon his servants, they liberated them. 
So many have been liberated, countless, like the amount of stars. Those who Guru Nanak took across this ocean of life were liberated. Those who were destroyed by Guru Nanak were utterly destroyed. The ones who acted poorly were crushed, and those who were righteous were uplifted. The author then moves on to Guru Angad, and then the remaining Gurus. O Guru Angad, whose sanctuary has no obstacles and is liberating, the rain shower of bliss, the shining moon of the Trehan clan, whose praise is spread and seen all across the world like the moon, the mansion of virtue, O Guru Angad, I bow down to you. O Guru Amardas, the caretaker and spreader of Sikhi far and wide, the one who has pacified many restless minds, those who have grasped Guru Amardas's feet have been taken across this life journey. The illuminating Guru Amardas, who has brightened the dark, ignorant ones, liberating them, I bow down to you. O Guru Ramdas, who just like Ramchandra, vicious like a tiger, killed Ravan, or like Parashram, killed all the kings, or like Balaram, Krishna's brother, who killed Jarasandha, in the same way you, Guru Ramdas, have destroyed more attachment. O Guru Arjan Devji, illuminating the world from the Indian subcontinent, who has created Barney, imbued with the essence of knowledge. Here the word being used is Ved or Veda. Such Barney would expound on the truth and falsehood of the world. O Guru Arjan Devji, I bow down to you. O Guru Hargobind, with such big lotus-like eyes, and such a great warrior like Krishna. All the Gyanis, the wise learned scholars, the Tianis, the contemplative thinkers, the Tatvetas, somebody who has experienced the divine truth. All these people, when they meditate or experience or conceptualize the divine, they view the very form of Guru Hargobind, to which I bow down to. O Guru Harai, who has served the Sikh congregation without any desire, who has destroyed all desire, anger, and other vices, who blesses and fulfills all his servants' desires, I bow down to such an exalted Guru. O sweet Guru Harkrishan, who although young in age held enormous power, just like the rising sun at the break of dawn is small, still vanquishes the night's darkness. In the same way, the Guru's wisdom destroyed all ignorance and attachment. O Guru Tegh Bahadur, who became the protector, the chadar, literally the shawl of honor, for the people of Hindustan, the Indian subcontinent, who like rain poured down on the Turks, who were like the camel thorn bush. Now this is a type of bush with very vicious thorns, uh, which loses its leaves when it rains. Such a Guru who manifests whenever their servants remembering them, I bow down to their lotus-like feet. O Guru Gobind Singh Ji, whose glory spread far and wide across the world like the illumination of the rising sun, who also arose much pain and strife in the mind of the vile and the wicked, who destroyed these enemies in battle holding a spear, such a great warrior, to Guru Gobind Singh I bow down. To the ten Gurus who have removed all duality from the minds of their servants, I bow down to you. And now begins the fifth Ras. O listeners, listen attentively, so all your sins are removed. And to the countless six of the true Guru who have experienced the beauty of the true Atma, the true Self, 
the greatly powerful Sikhs, all the way from Baba Buddhaji to now, please look kindfully towards me as I bow down to you. Please complete this work and remove any obstacles. In my mind sprout wisdom, so I may continually describe the great praise of the Ten Gurus. So after these invocations and requests, the author, Kavi Santok Singh, then jumps back into the stories of Guru Hargobind, picking up where we left off. So Guru Hargobind has left the Gwalior fort now and is traveling along with Vizir Khan and some other Sikhs on their way to Delhi. The Guru had released all the kings, had their shackles cut off, and anointed Hardas, the main jailer or the superintendent, to watch over the crowd of kings as they traveled to Delhi. They were all just overjoyed, calling out, saying, Blessed, blessed is the beneficent Guru Hargobind. So they continued on singing the praise of the Guru, and Guru Hargobind and the others sped up quickly as they were on their way on horseback, traveling to Delhi. They set up camp again where they had previously at Majnu Tille. Vizir Khan at that moment went to go see the emperor. When he got there, he bowed down and said salam. He greeted the emperor. And then Jahangir called out to Vizir Khan saying, I've been waiting for you. I see from your face that you're in a good mood. Has the Guru come with you? Is he here? I've been waiting to meet them for so long. Vizir Khan heard this and then he said, replying, Well, the divine must favor you. Your desire has been fulfilled. Guru Hargobind has traveled with you. He is gloriously stationed right now at Majnu. He sent me here to inform you on this. Whenever you want them to come, they will come. And you can, with great love, have their divine sight, darshan. The emperor heard this and he was overjoyed. It was like he was given a new life, like a dried out tree, which recently just received some rain. He was thinking that he would remove the fault over his head for Guru Arjun Devji Shahidi, thinking that this would then remove all his fear and he would be in peace. He then said to Vizir Khan, Well then, what are you waiting for? This is a great time. Go call him. I desire his darshan. Go there and bow down respectfully. Request him to come. Speak very sweetly and softly to the Guru. Vizir Khan heard this and then he set off quickly like an arrow being released from a bow. Guru Hargobind was sitting there at Majnu at the ready, sitting on the throne thinking about killing Chandu. Vizir Khan walked into the court of, of the Guru and bowed down and respectfully requested, Guru Hargobind, the emperor is extremely happy to hear that you have come to Delhi. He bows down to you. He desires to, with great love, see you. He says it's so great that you've come here and that you should not be angry at his previous faults. Listening to this, Guru Hargobind then got ready to go to the court. He changed his clothes, putting on a new jamma on his body, a very beautiful dastar on his head, and on top of that, a tiara, a jiga, which was so stunning, it captured every, everybody's mind who looked at it. On every limb of the Guru, he had gems and jewels which sparkled and illuminated light. He tied a silk kamarkasa, a cummerbund around his waist, and mounted a fine horse. Grabbing its reins, he set off. Vizir Khan traveled with the Guru, leading the way. There were six traveling along with him as well. They traveled so quickly 
with their fast and beautiful horses into the core of the city of Delhi. So Guru Hargobin would every now and then jump his horse up, the beautiful horse would neigh every now and then, and the Guru would comfort it. Everybody in the city of Delhi would watch Guru Hargobin riding through the city, their eyes were purified seeing the Guru. They were entranced in this sight, watching the Guru skillfully ride his beautiful, very fast horse. The Sikhs of the city heard the Guru was traveling into Delhi and they all came running and bowing down when they saw the Guru. All of their pains were removed by doing this. And within their minds, they were so happy, congratulating everybody that the Guru was released, saying that, oh, the Guru got out of the most secure and torturous jail, a jail which when anyone enters, no one comes out. And he got out not only by himself, but he also brought 52 kings with him as well. Who else but Guru Hargobin could perform such a feat? He has kept the oath of his nature to be the protector of the poor. He has saved those who would have never been released. No amount of money or force could have saved them, but the Guru was graceful upon them and brought them with him, cutting off all their shackles. So this was the type of praise that the Sikhs at that time were singing out as Guru Hargobind was riding through the city. He heard this with his own ears from the crowds. Guru Hargobind then got to the gate of the fort where Jahangir was. There were countless armed soldiers of his there. But Vizir Khan was actually leading the way and he yelled out to everybody, everybody, get up and show respect. This is the Guru who gave life to the Emperor. There is no one else more esteemed and Guru Hargobind. So all the soldiers and workers, they stood up in respect, they greeted the Guru and bowed down. Then Guru Hargobind continued forward into the fort to see Jahangir. He dismounted off his horse and went on foot. And he walked into the court, which had such beautiful gold engravings along the walls. Some engravings were of deers and other animals. The court was also draped in the finest of cloth. There were a wide variety of beautiful doors. All, you know, some were big, some were small. Vizir Khan again walked in front of the Guru announcing to everybody in the inner court, the true Guru has arrived. And when they heard this, they placed out a very high seat made out of sandalwood for the Guru. And on top of it, they placed a very fine cloth which was beautifully embroidered. Two senior ministers walked to the entrance of the court they bowed down to Guru Hargobind and then guided him to his elevated seat in the court. On this very beautiful elevated seat, the Guru sat down and the Emperor was overjoyed now. Seeing Guru Hargobind there, he bowed down to the Guru. Whoever was in the court saw this and they also bowed down respectfully to the Guru. So that's how chapter one of Ras number five concludes. In the next chapter we'll hear about the discussion between Guru Hargobind and Emperor Jahangir. So that's where we'll pick up next time. But as always, we'd like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangal Charan Patreon page. <laughs>